What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese-American chicken tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, um, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. We're back. On a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, a lot of TCU stuff we got to cover today, and I never thought I would say this on this podcast, over 400 episodes, I never thought I would say to myself, you know, I am dying, dying to talk about some horn Frogs, but here we are because TCU stole a bunch of headlines in college football this week by landing Zach Evans, uh, the five-star running back, um... It's weird times right now, but you know, TCU, they did it. And Jeremy of Hornfog Blitz is here. Jeremy, good afternoon. Are you still reeling from TCU landing the highest rated recruit in the program's history? You know, it's really crazy. When you just think about the last 24 hours, 48 hours that all this really went down. I've covered TCU for 15 years through Rivals and Scout and now currently with 24-7, and, and personally, I've never seen anything like it. Um, TCU's kind of always been the bridesmaids when it comes to landing five-star recruits. They've they've been in the hunt for some of these kids over the years, but they just they never landed them. And to get a guy like Zach Evans, it, not only is it crazy for them to land a player of his caliber, but no one was talking about TCU and Zach Evans three, four, or five months ago, ever in his recruiting process. That's why I was just telling everyone. I've been on a lot of shows and and talked about it. 
and and everyone asked, well, how long was TCU recruiting him? And were they in the picture? And when when these kids, when we follow recruiting the way we do, and, and they tweet about it, they always drop these lists. They drop sometimes the top 15, top 10, top five, whatever. Zach was one of those kids who had so many offers early in the process that he had to release a top 25, and TCU wasn't even in that. Right. So the fact that TCU got this kid the way they did late in the process, it's it's amazing and sometimes almost unbelievable. I think it fits everything to a T because Zach Evans was also the player that signed a national letter of intent without telling anybody. Like it, it sounds very on brand for him to just pull a TCU out of his hat after everything that happened with Georgia <laughs> and just his recruiting process in general. Like everything's been weird everything so yes he should wrap up by being extremely weird and signing with tcu i think it fits everything yeah it, it, you're right it, it's crazy because when i first started to get little rumblings about this and like i said i've covered the team for 15 years so i've got pretty decent sources within the program and and when i first started to hear about tcu recruiting zach i want to say it was late march chase early april and my exact thoughts when I was told that was, there's no way. That would send shockwaves throughout college football recruiting that would be talked about for a whole week. I mean, no one would predict Zach Evans, this highly touted kid, to go to a place like TCU. And when I started to hear those things talked about to me, I was I was asked, politely, keep it on the hush, keep, keep it on the down low. Mm. And really, I think it was about Thursday or Friday – about three days before the announcement is when the smoke really started to, to rise up a little bit that TCU was really one of those schools that was in the picture. You heard it from some of the guys that cover Tennessee or Ole Miss. Uh, and, and there started to, there started to get uh, to be a lot of smoke involved in TCU. And it was just crazy because I really didn't know for a fact until Sunday, Sunday afternoon, uh, I, I was, received a phone call and it said, Zach has signed his financial aid agreement, but you can't say anything until he goes to class because everyone <laughs> knows those financial aid agreements don't matter if those kids don't go to class. And hmm. so the, 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 the times we're living in now where there's no, no classes on campus, right? You have to rely on a kid logging on to his computer and logging into class. And that's what he did Monday morning. He logged into class and, He's officially a frog. So you're like, you're over here just trying not to text Zach. Hey, can you go ahead and log in to uh, the, the server? I need to go ahead and report on this, man. I've got a full day ahead. I need you to go ahead and confirm this. I know you want to sleep in. It's weird times, but I need you to, to log in. I, I need you to do this. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because Sunday night, I mean, it was, it was really heating up. Uh, there was so much talk, uh, and, and you probably saw the same thing, Chase, that TC was becoming more and more talked about that they could potentially end up getting this kid. Yeah. And I'm sitting there saying, I, I know in my head, TCU's got a great, great chance, but we all know what happened through his recruitment. There's, there's no guarantee. And, and I'm not talk, trying to talk bad about the kid, but there really was, it was, it was one of the most wildest recruitments and I'm not even involved in it because TC wasn't even a blip on the radar for the, basically his whole recruitment. So I just kind of followed from afar. I, I, I saw the stories about Georgia. I saw the stuff about uh, A&M being in the picture, LSU being in the picture, and then and so many different schools. But I just, I, I just kind of watched his recruitment from afar. So when it's 
sitting in my lap and I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling a lot of my buddies and uh, some of my coworkers, I'm, I'm sitting on this story Sunday night and just wait for Monday morning because I know as soon as, because I was told as soon as it goes down, we're, you're going to get a call and you could release it. And that's what happened. And I, I just do on Sunday night, once I release this news Monday morning, it's, it's going to go like wildfire. Everyone's going to be talking about it. And the funny thing is, is I think people were, were, you know, they're fascinated by the whole Zach Evans recruitment, but it was kind of like you said earlier, it, it just, what a crazy, it, it makes sense for it to end crazy, crazily with him going to TCU. We really shouldn't be surprised that superstars are more likely to consider TCU than years past because you you have LJ Collier, you have Jalen Rager, you have uh, Gladney, you have Collier, you have, I mean, LaDainian Tomlinson going back to, to that time. Um, I mean, what was it? Three guys went in the first couple rounds in this past draft, first two rounds, I want to say, from TCU. Uh, this is a pipeline that, develops people really well that if you're a good recruit four star five star why would you not consider tcu more so than texas more so than even texas a&m um, which i think would be more fair but like texas at the very least over texas tech for sure i i mm-hmm. think tcu deserves a little bit more credit where we look at them maybe as like the mountain west days where they were just going undefeated every year i think that's like four years yeah. where they only lost like one mountain west game but TCU, I just I think we should give them more credit as a Big Twelve Power Five program that develops talent really well, has a great coaching staff. I I don't know. Like if you're a player like Evans, you look at the draft and you're like, oh, look at Rager, look at um Glantley, look at I mean, just LT came from here. Why couldn't I just be the next great thing? And I think a lot of other four and five stars should think about you know, yeah, I could go to Alabama, but I might not play. And then I have to transfer and then I have to bounce around. And if I just go to somewhere like TCU, which is still a power five program, I can go and just be a star and still go in the first round. Like your draft stock's not hurt by choosing TCU over Texas. And you're not taking a bigger risk in that regard. I wonder if this sets in motion more four and five stars uh, going towards TCU. I, I think it, I think it may. Um, they've, they've landed four star guys in the past. Like, you know, as you mentioned, Jalen Rager, Jeff Gladney was one of those prime examples, though, of a a lowly rated uh, kid that was, mm-hmm. I think, two star in some some recruiting services, a three star, and and he was a, ended up being a first round guy. But it, it's it's one of those deals, I think, where people look at TCU, it being a smaller school, uh, the enrollment's only around nine or ten thousand. They don't have crowds of 70, 80, 100,000 people that they're playing in front of. If you're just trying to sell a 17-year-old kid, it gets really tough because there's so many variables that go into recruitment, not only from a kid's decision, but the people that are in his ear telling him where he should go. There's so many times, and and I've done this for a long time. I've interviewed over 1,000 kids throughout my 15 years, and and really the the thing that when they choose schools – if, if they choose bigger schools, and I won't name any schools in particular, and they leave those schools, the, re- the, the reason they always say is because they were given bad information when they were recruits. Yeah. With, with TCU, the, they, they really – Gary Patterson's not going to be one of those guys that's just going to go out and 
fall all over himself trying to get a five-star kid. He's just not like that. And he always uses the phrase, I'm going to tell kids what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And so for some kids, they don't, they don't buy into that. They, for whatever reason, they just don't buy into that. But for the kids that do buy into that, that, those are the ones that really are the underrated kids that have something to prove. And TCU has just been so successful finding those type of kids and, and developing them and, and, and creating them into good uh, quality college players to where they have a chance to go into the NFL. Like so many guys have in the past, but it's, it's crazy because everyone asks me, how come they can't get those kids? And for me, sometimes it just comes down to the name on the front of the Jersey or the emblem on the side of the helmet. TCU's not, considered one of the true blue bloods of college football, but they have everything in their program to sell that they should be able to get these five-star kids. They develop kids. They, they, like you said, they had five kids drafted in the NFL draft this past season, which was tops in the big 12. And it was top in the state of Texas over Texas A&M over the flagship school down in Austin, Texas. So they, they have the skins on the wall to prove that they can, do things with, with players. They've competed for Big 12 championships back in 2014. They're in the middle of the college football playoff discussion. 2010, they win the Rose Bowl, finish number two in the country. So Gary Patterson has done a great job of building that program. And I think with these recruits, they tend to follow each other. So I think with Zach Evans going to TCU, it's going to open some eyes for some of these other highly ranked kids that TCU's going after. I'm not going to say it's going to pay huge dividends and and immediately in, in 2021 or anything like that. But I think for 2022 recruiting class, there are going to be some highly ranked kids that are going to be looking at TCU that TCU's already building a great relationship with those guys. I think they've offered like nine or 10 kids uh, that are ranked in the top 50 in the 2022 rankings that we've already put out that TCU has already offered and building good relationships with. And now that Zach Evans is committed, it's okay to go to TCU. Everyone's thinking if five stars, Zach Evans can go to TCU. So can I, and I, and, and I can go and have a good career just like everyone else has in the past. It's funny. You kind of described what I feel like Iowa and Kirk Ferentz built up North where Iowa has a certain type of player. They look at that Kirk Ferentz tells players what they not necessarily what they want to hear. He's going after the wrestler types. He's going after the three and two stars that are out there in the middle of nowhere in Iowa or wherever and bringing them in and developing them. Um, AJ Espinenza is not like some super athlete, but they turned him into a beast at Iowa. And you, yeah. you just have guys like that, that they can just develop their offensive line. Just how many offensive linemen have been drafted out of there. It seems like there is a same, there's a similar ideology between the way Kirk Ferentz has built his Iowa program and, Gary Patterson has built his program at TCU. Um, And I wonder when you think about it, because Gary Patterson might enjoy going after the diamonds in the rough more than the Zach Evans type, because maybe that's just what he's been doing for so long, especially when they were in the mountain West and everything else is he had to find guys in odd places. He didn't even concern himself with, Zach Evans types players where now he's in the big game where it's like, is he going to be comfortable swimming in those waters of, Oh, I can actually get those five and four stars a lot more often than I used to be able to. There's a lot more stress that comes with that. There's a lot more um, fan pressure because now you've set the precedent that you can get somebody like Zach Evans 
guess what? They're going to expect the Zach Evans 2.0 in a couple years. They're going to expect like, well, you got this guy before. Why can't you get him again? You already proved that you can. So once you're in this game, it, uh, it, it becomes extremely stressful. I would uh, suspect. Well, they, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And some TC fans, they feel like every other college football fan out there, they should be getting all the mm-hmm. five stars. And it's, it's crazy because when you look at what TC has been able to do, yeah, he, he has recruited those players that are the, the two and three star players that not a lot of teams are chasing. I mean, Andy Dalton had one other offer. Trevon Blake had one other offer. I mean, he, he goes after these kids that aren't highly recruited, but he also goes after the kids. He also goes after the four and five stars. He even mentioned on the media call we had with him a few weeks ago that it's great that, that we're getting some of the, uh, the two and three stars attention, Jeff Gladney, but let's remember Jalen Rager was also a four star and Ross Blacklock was also a four star. So it's not like we're never getting these guys. Um, but now with the, with Zach Evans coming on board, I, I am a, a, agreeing with you. I think it's going to be a little bit more pressure to try to find those five-star kids. I mean, they've got a five-star offensive lineman uh, in uh, Tommy Brockemeyer that is literally 10 minutes down the road from TCU. He's the number one rated offensive tackle in the nation. And TCU's not even really involved in that recruitment. I mean, they, they offered him and, and they went after him, but he's not really considering them. And so okay. you look at situations like that. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go to college yeah. 10 minutes down the street. <laughs> that That's exactly, you know, that's another thing. And me doing this as long as I have, that, that's what's funny is like, how come TCU can't keep the BFW kids at home? And for a lot of those kids, they just don't want to stay that close to home. They want to go off and venture off. Yeah. And uh, what TCU's pitch is, is when you're at TCU, you really don't get to go home. You're part of a program. You're, you're going to film, you're going to school, you're going to, uh, uh, studies and, and everything else. And so you, you've got, you've got very little time to just hop in your car and just drive home when you feel like it. So that's one of their pitches that they use to those local recruits, but they've done, they've done well recruiting. They've, they've finished in the, in the top three in the big 12 in recruiting rankings, the past five recruiting cycles. So I think with, with, uh, a player like Zach Evans, it, it opens the door, like I said earlier, to those higher-rated recruits, and they're going to start winning more and more battles against the teams like Texas and, and Texas A&M. And, and for them to really be recruiting the way they are, when they're playing in a state that has Texas, or re- recruiting in a state that has Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, and, and Texas Tech, and, 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 other, and other Power 5 schools, it's it's tough to recruit uh, and, and and really finish the way they do, but la- this this past class, this 2020 class, especially with Evans landing on it, it's probably it, it, there's no probably about it. It's the highest ranked class they've had, and they're coming off a five and seven season. So I, I think the momentum is there for them. They're they're already winning the battles against teams like Oklahoma, LSU, A and M, Texas. But I think if you you, you get this type of kid it opens the door to win even more of those battles against those type of schools. What can you tell me about TCU versus Bama to start the season in Dallas? Is that happening? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, if you read the stuff coming out, coming out of California, you, you got to think something's coming on because every it, it seems like, you know, I read a report yesterday that the L.A. County is uh, putting the ban at stay, for the stay-at-home, extending it to three more months, and 
if you're looking at USC being in Los Angeles, I, I don't see how there's any way, even if they in in the uh, stay at home ban until late uh, late July, I don't see how you can bring in kids and have them get back into football shape. Uh, because yeah, they could be working out at home. They could be doing all that good stuff, but they're not going to be in football shape. Get them yeah. in football shape, put them in pads, and get them prepared to play arguably the top team in the country in a matter of three or four weeks. I've talked to Gary Patterson about it several times and asked him, how much time do you need to literally get your team prepared for a season? He said, you've got to have at least eight to nine weeks. And that's why a lot of teams, if you think about when they have spring ball, they they start uh, the, the spring semester in January, but they don't start spring camp until – late February or early March, which is basically eight or nine weeks after they've been back on campus. So you've got to have that much time to get your guys prepared. And I, I just – I don't know how it's going to happen for USC, but I know as far as TCU, everyone, everyone's going to be in denial mode, but it's, it's, it's the same thing with them playing Cal because you don't know what kind of restrictions they're going to have with Cal. I could tell you right now, Gary Patterson would love to go out to Cal to play in front of 5,000 fans, especially against a team like Cal, because Cal's Cal's a little bit better than what people give them credit for. Yeah, and they're returning 18 starters, and they've got a good quarterback now. And I I could promise you it would not be anything like the 10-7 to Cheez-It Bowl that it was (laughs) a couple years ago when the last time those two played. Oh, yeah, the, the greatest, worst game in history, so. It's it's uh, it's still very much in the air. Now, if you ask me, talking to people about the game, about the possibility, they want to do it. I mean, what greater – if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. <laughs> Max, What's that? Like, Max is like, uh, can we not do that? I, I was actually looking forward to playing that, USC's defense. I'm, I'm good. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, that, Dylan Moses that would is coming be the, I'm going to have to say no to that. Hard pass for me, coach. That 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 would be the that would be the one thing for him and you know there there's so much riding on Max's development this year and he he took his lumps as a true freshman but he he actually played better than a lot of people give him credit for. He still he he almost accounted for 3000 yards and he's he had 21 touchdowns and he did that basically running for his life all year. I mean it, it's crazy to say and even even Jerry Kill, who wasn't even part of this team last year, he was hired on to be the offensive head coach, and he was in Jan- in there in January evaluating last year's film, and he's came out several times and said, listen, it's hard to play quarterback when you're running for your life. I- I'd like to see any quarterback complete a pass when he's throwing from his back. So it's it's one of those deals where if, if you're not ready up front, yeah, they're not going to want to play a defense like – Alabama, especially like you said with Max, it, Max doesn't want to be running for his life that early in the season. Um, but it's it's certainly one of those games if they go down I thirty to AT and T Stadium takes you twenty minutes from TCU. Obviously, there won't be it's still going to be up in the air if there's going to be fans in the stadium if they're going to have uh, uh, any any fans at all or if it's going to be twenty five percent. So it's it's a game that is very enticing as a college football fan. You like to see that. We all like to see the, the TCU Ohio state game a couple of years ago. And, and that was really fun to watch. But I, I think if you're a, if you're a college football player, a college coach, 
you you live for those kind of games. You want to play against the best of the best, and I don't think any I don't think anyone from TCU would be backing down from it. And uh, you know, for for them, instead of going out all the way out to California, you get to stay close to home and get a chance to uh, shock the world again, just like they did Landon Zach Evans. Can you explain to me the Jerry Kill, Sonny Cumbie, Meacham, just dynamic? on offense now because it used to be Meacham and Cumbie together a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and they had a lot of success. And then Cumbie's kind of come under fire in recent years. Um, part of that has to do with the record and the inconsistency with the offense in general. But then you bring in Gary Patterson's best friend because that is by all accounts his best friend. Wasn't it like his best man in his wedding, Jerry Kill was? Yeah, sure so was. His title though on the website is um, special assistant to the head coach. I How uh-huh. does this work? Who is... Like who's calling plays? <laughs> Who is the leader of this offense? Like it seems like they have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Those, those answers you can only find right now locked up somewhere in Fort Knox. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's crazy because we've asked a lot of it. Um, I, I think Sonny Cumbie's still going to be the guy calling the plays. And uh, they, they didn't go through a, a a huge spring camp due to the due to the virus, so they only got four practices in and. Uh, everything I was told was that it, it still looked like Sonny Cumbie was directing the offense. And I think they even had a, a scrimmage inside the stadium where Cumbie was kind of uh, sitting in the stands, kind of emulating him being in the box. So that would be different from what he did last year. When when Meacham and Cumbie were together before, Cumbie was sitting in the box and Meacham was on the sidelines. And the way Jerry Kill was brought into this whole situation is Gary Gary spent uh, a lot of time last year and really the year before getting more involved in the offense. He's not an offensive guy. He'll tell you straight up, he's not an offensive guy. He's a head coach, but he's he's a defensive guy first. He he wants to focus on the defense, and that's why you always see TCU being known so good for for defense. He's out there still running around. He still calls the plays on defense. There's a defensive coordinator on staff, but he's not the one calling plays. It's it's Gary Patterson. Everyone that follows TC football knows it's Gary. So basically the reason why Gary brought in Jerry is he not only is his best friend, but more importantly, Jerry is very experienced. He's succeeded pretty much everywhere he's gone. Uh, Jerry's got this nickname called uh, uh, The Fixer. Because everywhere he goes, he fixes things. And that's what that's what Gary wanted. And, and above all, with him being his best friend, Jerry Kill will tell Gary exactly how it is. He's going to tell him, Gary, your offense stinks because <laughs> your play calling sucks. I mean, it's it that's that's just how he says it. And he's going to be able to tell him everything that's wrong about the offense. And Gary has that trust in him. When Jerry goes to him and tells him, this is what you need to fix, Gary's going to believe him. He's going to trust him, and he's going to make those changes. And so based on the first few practices they had in the spring, it was funny, some of the things I was hearing, it's like, you know, they go after it like they're brothers. And that's one thing. If you've ever seen Gary Patterson on the sideline, he looks angry a lot of times. He's yelling. He's, he's, he's in coaching mode. And really, you don't ever have anyone snap back at him. You've never seen a coach ever snap back at Gary Patterson. That's a TCU coach. 
Jerry Kill will do that. <laughs> Jerry Kill will will snap back at him, and and that's because that's what he brought him on board to do. He wants he wants Jerry Kill to just take over that offense, so Gary does not have to do anything anymore uh, on that side of the ball, and just focus everything that he has on defense. Is there any chance they stay in the five hundred realm? They've been playing 500 ball the last two years miss a bowl game only the third time in patterson's career at tcu last year a lot of games were super close so it could have gone a very different way for tcu do you suspect this is a team that with the big 12 because i think uh, oklahoma state's going to be really good this year um i think texas will be solid at the very least i think brock purdy is still in line for another great year and he might just be a first rounder so we'll have to see what happens with iowa state but like the Big 12, it's interesting thinking about it. Like Kansas State had this great year, it felt like, and most people are picking them as like the second worst team in the Big 12 outside of Kansas mm-hmm. because of just how deep it is in West Virginia getting better with Neil Brown's system. And are you concerned that fans are now just going to be all excited about TC football this fall and looking at the schedule and just the state of the Big 12 and Max Duggan's development? Are you going, uh, I mean, seven and five might be best case scenario or are you more optimistic than that and think that they can get back to more of that nine and three ten and two zone from the fans perspective um like i said earlier they want to win every game but i don't think the expectations are as high as they have been uh in recent memory just because they are coming off back-to-back seasons where they didn't play up to expectations like you mentioned if you look at last year they lost five games by a touchdown or less, six points or less. And they were close in a lot of those games. Really, the only game that they got blown out in was Iowa State. Iowa State with Brock Purdy, who, by the way, is my favorite quarterback in the Big 12, too. I think he's I think he's incredible. But he – Iowa State, uh, other than that game, TCU was close in every other single game. And, and really, when you look at it, the reason why they were close is because they had a good defense and – they had a lot of key players on that defense that were uh, good safeties. Trevon Merrick and Ardarius Washington, Garrett Waller, linebacker. Some of those guys are coming back. So that gives me optimism for the defense uh, for the 2020 season. Really all, all they have to replace, they have to replace Jeff Gladney. That's that's a huge loss. And Ross Blacklock. Ross Blacklock was a highly drafted kid, but they, they are pretty loaded on the interior um, at TCU, they've they've done a great job recruiting over the years, filling in that position. But it's when I look at the schedule, the one thing that sticks out to me for 2020 is they only leave the state three times. And if you consider the fact that they get that Cal game taken away, and they get a chance to play Alabama at AT and T, they're only leaving the state for Kansas, and they're leaving the state for West Virginia. So. They've got uh, some of their tougher games are at home this year. They've got Oklahoma at home. They've got Oklahoma State at home. They've got Iowa State at home. Uh, Kansas State's at home. So the schedule is so similar to the way everything looked in 2014 when they made that run. I'm not coming on your show telling you that TCU's going to be back in the college playoff football hunt, uh, college football playoff hunt, but I'm I'm just telling you that they – they went five and seven last year and they did it with an offense that was regarded as one of the worst offenses in, in the country. And they have a lot of, they have a lot of key guys coming back that 
I think can can keep them in games, especially on defense. And you got the development of Max Duggan, who I think is going to play much better this year. They've got to replace Jalen Rager uh, as an offensive weapon, but they've got some really talented younger players coming in and some guys like Tay Barber that are coming back from last year that really got involved uh, in a lot of games late in the year. They wanted to get him the football, but it's it's really early for me to predict how they're going to finish, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that they could surprise some people and finish up nine and three around a nine win season. Okay. Can you also snap your fingers and get UCF and Memphis or Cincinnati? In <laughs> I think everyone would love that UCF because with with Florida, it's it's a great it's a great uh, trip to take out of town. I mean, it's it, everyone would, would Virginia, want to go down there. The whole yeah. travel argument is kind of thrown out the window. Like you got West Virginia in here. Like at this point, whatever. You're not going to go full AAC where it's just all over the country. But UCF is also just a gigantic school. Like, and they have a lot more money. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. I, they make a lot more sense. So like when people throw USF or any of the other ones, I'm like, no, they're they just don't have the money and enrollment and their facilities are not very good. But like UCF is just a sleeping giant. It feels like. I think when people were first starting to talk about the Big 12 expansion and and naming some teams that they would really want to see uh, join the conference, UCF was probably the most talked about team uh, that, that people would love to see in that conference just because they play good football. They, they've got Florida players they are going to recruit well. And like I said earlier, it's just a it's a, just a great destination to get, you know, if you're, if you're from, from Texas and, and getting a chance to go down to Florida, for some football, that's that's pretty good. And, and for TCU, it's it's good for them too if they get down there and people see that uh, what kind of program they have, they can start recruiting even better in Florida. And that's you asked Gary Patterson the year they went out to the Rose Bowl. All of a sudden, they started getting a lot of attention from California players because mm-hmm. people saw them play. And so that's that's kind of how that works. And and you can sell that to those Florida prospects. Hey, listen. <laughs> You may not you may not stay at home, but if you come to us, we're we're at least going to be playing in Florida two times in your career, so your family will get to see you play in person at least two times. Right, and so that that's a selling point too. But UCF and and, and actually, uh, believe it or not, Colorado State was another school that I think a lot of fans wanted to see in there just because well, Steve, is, of the destination. We're like we can't watch this offense. I, I it's going to be a hard pass for me watching Steve Adazio's Colorado State Rams. In the Big Twelve scenario, <laughs> I think I, that's another hard pass for me, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like Colorado State just seems, it just doesn't sound right. Like when you say it out loud, it 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 clears a lot of stuff up. And when I say Colorado State out loud, doesn't sound right. Uh, when I say SMU out loud, doesn't sound right. <laughs> Houston, I could see. I guess as the other one, like I, I kind of want BYU to s- just go independent. I like them just doing the Notre Dame thing, and I think they should just do that and go the independent route full time. Memphis and Houston and Cincinnati is where I just go back and forth on. I think UCF is the no brainer, but I don't know who the 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 other one is. <clears throat> Out of those three, who do you think would make the most sense, and who would you prefer? I think uh, making the boat the most sense, and and really who I would prefer is Houston. Um, just for geographic reasons and just for the fact that I love Dana Hogerson. Uh, <laughs> Dana Hogerson is, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, uh, that's, that was really the, 
the main draw why people liked watching West Virginia uh, the first couple years that TCU was in the Big 12 and Dana was up there coaching is because of him. And it's it's kind of like Mike Leach at Washington State. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was still fun to watch Washington State because of Mike Leach, and that's what makes it fun for uh, Dana Hogerson. Dana's kind of kind of the same type of coach. You really don't know what what he's thinking and or what he's going to do. But I just I like him as a coach, and I like the craziness about him. And uh, I, I think he's done. You know, in the, in the few years he's been down in Houston, he's done a really good job recruiting that class or recruiting for the program. And I, I think they're going to have a chance to to make some waves. He didn't have a really good season last year, but I still think Houston's going to be one of the better G5 schools this year. It, granted, if we all get to see college football. True or false, there will be Big 12 expansion in the next five years. <clears throat> That's a tough one. I'm going to say it depends on the rest of the college football landscape. If if we see expansion in other conferences or you start to see these mega conferences, then I, I think Big 12 will get on the ball and try to see what they can do. Um, but the big thing for them up until a few years ago was having a championship game. And now that they have that, I don't know if there's a necessity to go out and expand. Uh, well, it's like, like other conferences will. Yourself. I hate the Big 12 championship game. It's the dumbest thing in the world where some of these schools have to just play the same school back-to-back. Like the Oklahoma-Texas playing each other twice in the same season is just, you're cannibalizing yourself. Like, I, I understand that I, you need the championship game, but if you're not going to get 12 teams, I would not do it. Like, it just, it's very stupid to me that they had the championship game without adding any more teams. Like, I, I feel like they skipped a step there. It's it's good for the fact that they can, like, for instance, when Oklahoma and TCU played each other, TCU had a pretty good year that year uh, in the in the revival of the Big 12 championship. But unfortunately for TCU, they had to go against Baker Mayfield twice, so um, it, it ruined any shot for them to ha- to have a college football playoff. But right. the good thing for TCU is they were ranked high, and Oklahoma beat them again, and that's primary reason why Oklahoma was was able to get in there. But I, I see your point too. Um, because it would be great if they had 12 teams where some of these teams like a uh, like a TCU having to play Oklahoma State or Oklahoma every year where, where some of these schools like from the SEC and Pac-12 and, and other big conferences like Big Ten don't have to play the hard teams every single year until they face them in the in the conference championship. Right. So I can I can see that point very good, too. And, and I, I like it. I like it both ways, um, to be honest. Uh, there's going to be a year though where the big 12 is going to, they're going to get, there's, there's not going to be much parity between all the teams in the, in the top echelon of the group. I I thought it was going to actually happen this past year, but there's going to be a year where the big 12 is all going to go that you're going to have two, maybe three teams that are going to go 10 and two or 11 and two. And it's, it's just going to ruin their chances at the playoffs. Yep. It is uh, unfortunate, but they can fix it. And you know what? Another easy one. Like, what are we doing? Just flip Rutgers and Cincinnati. That's just an easy <laughs> one. If I ever get made sports czar, like that's one of my first college football things where I'm just like, what are we doing? Rutgers, Big Ten? No, you're you're going to the AAC. This is where you belong. And then putting Cincinnati with Luke Fickle in the Big Ten. Like, everybody wins. It's just better. But it makes ten times more sense. Just do that. And Cincinnati's going to be – and Cincinnati, they're, they're going to be – 
very good for the next few years too. I mean, right. And they, and, and what's crazy, you talk about teams like Cincinnati and, and I know you mentioned that some you earlier that doesn't seem to make sense, but those programs, they're doing a good job despite being G five schools. They're doing a great job on the recruiting trail. Cincinnati right. just got one of the top quarterbacks in the country in the 2020 class. And I think some of those programs like that in, in, in UCF are going to continue to recruit those, those type of players to where, if expansion talk does come up, it will be easier for those schools to prove why they need to be in the Power Five conferences. I agree. All right, Jeremy, I've taken way too much of your time today, but what can we check out from you uh, this week on HornFogBlitz.com? Well, I think everything's kind of dying down from Zach Evans. We're, we're talking about the impact it's going to have for TCU and where, where uh, he's going to be playing this year as far as if he's going to be the guy starting or if he's going to be the guy that's kind of in a reserve mode early on. And we've got tons of recruiting stuff going on. It's recruiting never ends. No, despite no college football right now and, and, and no spring sports, recruiting is the one thing that never ends. Virtual recruiting, everything else, those, those are uh, popping up everywhere. We've got you covered for that. And Horn Frog Blitz is happening right now, man. It's, it's, a, it's a great time to be a, a follower of TCU football. I would love to be on one of the Zoom calls with one of these college coaches during the recruiting pitches. I would love to see the setup, how awkward it is as Nick Saban tries to figure out if he's live with a recruit. I <laughs> I would love to just be a fly on the wall with these coaches trying to navigate uh, virtual recruiting. Because I've got to imagine it's just incredibly awkward and painful. That that would be my guess. I've asked, I've asked a few kids if, it, if, if any awkward <laughs> moments have come up yet. And surprisingly, nothing yet. Well, maybe and, they're not going to tell really, you out of self-preservation <laughs> where they're like, well, I'd rather them not know that uh, this got out. Some of, the, some of these kids I, I have a good enough relationship with. I'll, I'll just ask, hey, hey, man, off record. Is anything crazy? And they're, and they're just like, no, really, man, it's, it's really been cool. I mean, it's just, you know, me and my whole family can go on it. They kind of just walk around and they'll show us some things. Some coaches will actually just walk through their hallways and they'll walk to the weight room. They'll do this and they'll, they'll do that. But they've, they've actually enjoyed it. Now, is that anything close to what it's like being in person? No, but uh, I think every, I think every college coach and I think really every college recruit is just, just craving to get everything back to some normalcy to where they can get some of these visits taking place and help their decisions. It's so tough for these kids right now to, to make some of these decisions because they can't go see these schools in person. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, it's really taken a toll on them for their decisions. Uh, The timeline they wanted to commit, uh, they're worried about whether or not they're even going to get to play high school football. So I I feel for, I feel for a lot of those, uh, the coaches and the players in these situations, but so far, so good for as far as the uh, the virtual side of it. They're 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 doing well so far. Yeah, and we've already seen the early stages of USC using the LSU video department with uh, the straight out of Compton video they posted uh, <laughs> to go ahead and get that recruiting ranking because it's like the kids stand up from like no Pac-12 football this fall. I mean, do you think USC goes from 75th in recruiting to 110th from uh, us? Like, who, who's to say? <laughs> it, the, the craziest thing right now, and, and I've told a lot of people this, Chase, is I'm, I'm most worried about the juniors that are in high school football right now because the junior year for a high school recruit is their their most important year. And if they can't play football this year, it's going to be crazy for them to get on the radar of some of these schools. 
it it really is and and uh we just hope we just hope we get a chance to you know somehow get back on the field for everyone that would be nice but do it safely do it in a in a safe way um i it's it's complicated i don't have the answers um i will not have the answers i just can read and report and hope for the best that's all we can do right now jeremy thank you so much for the time good luck this season hopefully there is a season and uh, you get to watch Zach Evans become LT 2.0. That would be fun for everybody involved. <laughs> That's right. Hey, thanks, Chase, for the time, man. I enjoyed it. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase Thomas writer, um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. You could go to chase podcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.